Hello, everyone. Welcome to another uh, session of Already His Workmanship Podcast. This is Todd. I have Logan and Dell with me again today. Hey, uh, Logan, you want to go ahead and start us off with a prayer this morning? Absolutely. Lord, we just uh, we just give this time to you. Lord, we just pray that uh, our conversation would um, both honor you and edify those who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, today's uh, following on session of saying there is a God and that, excuse me, then that he is passionate about us and cares for us. Um, I kind of want to go into the promises of where we're going with this like spiritual journey and setting a spiritual foundation um, and kind of talk about those promises that I've seen and and where the biblical foundation is of that and the AA promises that are the step eight promises that are kind of a foundation for a lot of things. Hear Logan and Dell's perspective on them. I'll give you mine as well. Um, but as always, we start off with the last week's question. So uh, the first one was, what are you, are you doing over and over again, expecting different results? course mine is uh, drinking sugar water in the form of some type of soda and eating candy and expecting not to gain weight uh with that i'll kick it over to uh logan on his what do i well i mean take your pick um i find, find myself oftentimes falling back into the you know classic definition of insanity um for for me i i guess um the thing that i that I continue to do is um, continue to, to fall back into a worldview of my own effort rather than um, relying on the Holy Spirit, relying, relying on God to get things done. So I'll find myself constantly when I'm either evaluating something to do, et cetera, I, I always plan based on my own effort and, and sometimes decide not to do things based on the fact that I just don't have the capacity to do it without taking into consideration, sometimes taking a moment to, to, to you know, pause and ask the Lord whether or not he wants me to do it, because if he wants me to, to do something, he will supply what is required. Um, so I find myself constantly doing that, and it's a constant battle that I have to continue to fight. How about you, though, Del? Yeah, I would say a couple things. I'm in that same rut right now as far as uh, it's really hot the hottest time out um, where we're at is uh, about seven o'clock. And so I wake up early, try to crush the day as much as possible. But uh, around seven, I sit down and perfect example. Last night I had one, we got these uh, ice cream bars that are hundred calories. Right. So, so I have one and I think I was four deep um, last night by the time I got done. So just eating sugars and, and knowing that um, I'm not going to be able to out cardio a bad diet right and and every single time i sit down like okay not tonight not tonight but um i fell in that rut last night and i was really bummed about it um the other thing is that um you know trying to consistently impose my obsessive standards on my family um it's really getting bad when everyone's home for the summer and i'm you know, why is there a dish in the sink? There's, you know, who hasn't swept, who hasn't done these things and that. And it really, 
you know, I just have to ask myself, who the heck am I to decide what, a, you know, what a, uh, what the, the sink should look like or how clean this should be or that should be. So um, I impose those standards over and over. Or I try to, and um, it just results in, in bad uh, tension with the family. Right. And so those are the two things that were really top of mind um, when I was looking at that question. Yeah. Oh, can I, can I add that one too? Yeah. <laughs> I, find my, I, I think if my, my boys listen to this podcast, they'd be like, yeah. Um, my dad obsessively telling us to open the windows at night and then close them in the morning and, you know, Dude. et cetera. I, I, I obsess about this, yes. about the temperature of the house. Yes. Like, Oh, God forbid I spend an extra $20 cooling the house this month. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, I have the same on the, on the, on the temperature. And yesterday, uh, Tanya, my wife was fixing some food and I literally texted her. I said, if you use the blue pan, don't burn, turn the burner past four. And then like a minute later, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just said, you know, but yeah, I was I'm obsessed about the pans, the heat, the, if it, at this time, it's going to be this much. So close the windows, you know, Oh, yeah. man. Uh, I've done all those things in the past two and then you know years and years and years ago when I was out in the world doing my addictive things it was always like I'm not going to drink today and like you know oh nope I'm drinking at six or <laughs> whenever I get off of work or whatever I'm only going to have one and you know, 15 drinks later, I'm like, wake up in the morning, not knowing what I did for half the night, you know, all those things that were the extreme behaviors. Uh, but there was just tons of them, right? Um, when I first got married to my wife, I would always say, yes, I'll get that done. And never did it, right? I would just get sucked into a video game for eight hours in the day, and then she would come home from work, and I wouldn't have done any of the things I promised I would have done, right? So um, that was a character defect I had where I just was incapable of keeping any commitment uh, and fully intending to and just never actually doing it. So, all right. And now the one that everybody was really looking forward to this week, what are you ready to turn over to God? Um. I'm at this weird place in my spiritual journey where, you know, Logan's walked through this long time with me where like work was the, the one that I was struggling with the most. And, you know, when God moved us across the country, um, he gave me a job that solved my existential crisis and gave me peace instantaneously. And I'm in a weird spot where I don't have, nearly the same amount of stuff where I'm just like, I can't give that over. Um, I was reading through my journaling from years ago, looking at it and it was like everything. I was worried about the wellness of my family, my boys, um, finances, all these things. And God's kind of taking care of them all for me as I've matured. Um, so there's not a lot for me that I haven't already given up. Um, uh, I have to struggle with honestly with the podcast itself because I, I really want it to be something that blesses as many people as possible. And I have to just let that be controlled by God, not by me. So that'd be mine right now. 
Um, I'm glad, I'm glad you've, you've, uh, you've matured to move beyond work. I'm still stuck in work. Um, it's, uh, it's been interesting, you know, for those of you who, I mean, we don't really talk a lot about the specifics of our personal lives, but, but, um, well we do, but you know, not as nece- not necessarily our work, what we do. Um, but you know, so my, my, my day job is, you know, in technology sales and I, I went to work for a new company about a little over a month ago. And so I just came through uh, the end of quarter, you know, doing a report and all that kind of stuff. And, and of the six regions in my area, mine is by far the worst. Um, so the, over the last five years, they've, they've had a countless amount of reps come through here and no one's been able to, to have any success. And so, um, you know, coming into it, you know, I had the opportunity to come over here and I think probably most people, most people didn't want the job. Uh, but I, I have a really good, close personal friend who who works here, and he kind of lured me over. And I prayed about it, and I really felt a, a, a release to do it. Um, but really staring at it, going through this whole process of doing a report on the territory is like I have been dealing with a ton of hopelessness because I love to be, um, I love to achieve at work. I love to be the top guy or in the top, you know, you know, a couple of, you know, people or et cetera. And you know, it's just part of my personality. I, I love to, to achieve and, and win and I'm competitive. And I've been faced with this kind of like hopelessness of, and then just having to land on, um, it's going to, I'm going to work hard, but whether or not it's going to happen or not is actually not fully up to me. Um, it's kind of interesting in my job, you know, we get held to a number, but the number is not, hundred percent in your control, but really just having to go, you know, having to understand that my success or failure in, in what I'm going to be doing at work, like I have to release that to the Lord, because if I carry the stress for it, I was talking to a, a guy at work and he's, he'd been in sales for a long time. And I was, I was talking to, I'm sorry, I was, I was talking to a guy at church and, and he's, I said, Hey, how do you deal with the the stress of, you know, cause I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of stress right now. He goes, Oh, I was an alcoholic for 20 years. <laughs> he says, I just, I just drink, you know, yeah. like, uh, well, I don't want to be that guy. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting how the Lord has been using my work and using as, as kind of a, you know, a, a sandpaper to kind of, to deal with me and to deal with some issues in my life or to deal with some mindset. And like, I'm just being forced into a position where I have to release control of the thing in my life that I, or one of the things in my life that I care the, the most about. And so I'm, I'm getting there. It's not perfect every day. You know, maybe most days I'm Lord, this is in your hands. Um, but there's definitely some days where I try to take it back, but I'd love to, you know, optimistically say that I'm ready to release that. So. Yep. And I would, uh, I would say for me, um, the question was really hard for me, right? Because it's always um, saying or, or looking at things that, you know, are, are out of my control. Right. And so um, what, you know, just, just looking at it for myself as I, as I come through here, I, I have to look at like, okay, when, I keep a lot of metrics and data and journals and things like that. And so I looked back and I said, okay, well, I think the answer to the questions in there. And so I, I was able to look in my YouTube videos. I was able to look at uh, my history and my browsers and, and things like that of when I was searching the most. And 
um, you know, one of the things that I was able and I had to turn over and when I was most dependent on God was around the, the recruiting time for, for my son, right? I wanted to make sure that um, he makes the right decisions. And it's hard because you send out your film and stuff and then they, coaches and recruiters, they, they start talking directly to your son. And you've got an 18-year-old, 17-year-old brain being recruited. And I just wanted to do what was best for him. And he was looking in directions that, um, that I didn't like. And so I called my brother and I was talking to him and, and the most heartfelt in his eyes, he said, the most heartful felt thing that I said was, I just want to maintain a good relation with my son through this. Like, how could we possibly take what is the greatest opportunity and turn it into stress? I was, you know, I had a headache for a month and everything. And I just looked at my history and everything, it's like, wow, I really, really was listening to a lot of videos. I was really, really depending and leaning on God and, and leaning on um, the motivational videos that I, want, that I wanted during those times. And it all worked out, right? So I was able to turn that over and it just helped me out a lot. And so there's no headaches. Everyone's happy. And we're moving in a really, really good direction along those lines. But that was the first little epiphany that I had last night was, wow, I, I really stepped up and listened and wasn't the self-righteous person that I usually am. Yeah. Um, having watched through you with you, we talked a lot about it. Yeah. I don't even know how many hours you and I talked about it. Um, but most of the time, like, I didn't have to say anything about like, oh no, like we're going to still own our own stuff and trust and all that stuff. It was more along the lines of, oh, this, this is what I'm doing. How can I communicate that well with my wife? How can I like participate in this thing where it's, it's not me just telling everybody what to do, but I can like walk beside them and encourage them that everything's going to be okay. And um yeah i was really impressed that you're able to go through that entire process and and you know like launch your son out into the world that was that was really cool i was really really proud of you especially the um father and husband you were through that process that was super cool to, to yeah. watch and see so yeah um yeah so i would say my, son, that, my oh go ahead right, Del. Uh, I, I was gonna say i I, like I said before, it's it's when you're capable of taking the biggest blessing and making it the biggest stress in your life, right? That's where you know you you just got to stop controlling things and you just got to go about your day doing the right things, living in a in a good way, and everything will work out. As you know, as long as I don't try to control it. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Logan. Well, I was just gonna say. Uh... My son's 17 and or about to be 17, about to be a senior in high school. And so um, I may need those videos and those things for <laughs> to listen to uh, because I'm having a really hard time. Uh, it's time for me to release more control. Uh, I'm having a really hard time with it um, yep. just because, you know, he needs to make decisions based on his education. He needs to make decisions about, you know, he's in a relationship and, you know, he needs to, you know, make decisions about that. And, you know, he's also one of those kids that, you know, he keeps his own counsel and uh, you know, it's, it's really, it's beginning to build inside of me this, like, I don't have any influence over 
this per, you know, very little, you know, I don't have any control. I just have influence, but even to that degree, like I need to maintain that I have influence and then not try to, to gain control. And I, I can already feel myself like wanting to do that, but I, I have to continually keep myself in check. So I may need your help yeah. when it comes time for, you know, when it gets a little bit more intense. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things thought if I could just one more statement on that is like as parents, you cannot help but to want validation for what you see in your own child. And, you know, you get validation from recruiters and coaches and things like that. And then um, it can create a lot of turmoil. And when you get and you see things that maybe you are assuming your 17 year old kid doesn't, um, it just it was challenging. And by staying away for the first time ever, you know, my son came, sat down and told my wife and I exactly what he wanted to do, where he wanted to commit and why. And that was brave on his part. So I, I just so grateful that I was able to back out. Now, did I lose a lot of sleep? Yes. Did I lean on God? Yes. But did it work out because of that? Yes. Awesome. That's great to hear. Cool. Well, Thank you so much for sharing, guys. I'm I'm excited to continue to see God work in your lives. You guys inspire me all the time, uh, just to be better father and husband and everything. And uh, thank you for walking with me there. So, um, going to today's topic, um, I really wanted to kind of put a stake in the ground uh, for everybody as we listen and, and as you listen and walk with us over the coming months, uh, as we kind of go through building a spiritual foundation that we can talk about uh, going forward in the podcast um, about how your life is going to change and what God's going to do in your life. And um, I'm very, very, very confident that you're going to experience these things as you walk with us. And um yeah, so that that's that's kind of a stake I'm putting in the ground there that you guys are going to be able to come back to me in uh, months or years and say all these things happen. So the first part is uh, the Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Um, and really, really God's fervent passion for us uh, stated out in Scripture. And that is uh, this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for pro to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me uh, with you, all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. So, um the reason why I, like most of the time when I read that, like it's just Jeremiah 29, 11. Um, I wanted to go through uh, the 14th verse because for me, that's what happened, right? He brought me completely out of captivity, captivity to alcohol, captivity to pornography, can, captivity to my way of thinking in the world that made me a victim, captivity to my anger and resentment. Um, captivity finally over the last five years is like, he brought me out of my captivity of fear. So, um, 
that's like what happened for me right and each time i sought the lord he was there and each time i sought the lord um he brought me further out of the captivity i, I was in and um i've known that's happened for both of you guys so i i would like to hear just kind of your reflections on that um i'll start off with dell this time i kind of want to hear dell's perspective uh, on coming out of captivity because he's i just know your story so well right and the, all the different ways that that's happened for you so i'd just like you to re kind of reflect on that dell of how you've been kind of rescued from captivity and continue to be yeah, you know, we discuss a lot with, you know, my struggles with addiction, alcoholism and, and things. And although um, on a much better path with the sobriety coming up on six years or so, um, I had never imagined the captivity that I could possibly be in. You know, when when I do talk to people and share the stories, it's a lot of it what just shocks people is you know mornings at 555 waiting outside a grocery store for it to open so you can buy booze right and what i was doing and what i was trying to do was not um was not working um i was on the verge of losing everything you know went to rehab twice and the second time that i came back went in it was was when i was uh I said last podcast was, I'm going to say the word, right? I'm going to do the prayers. I'm going to do the serenity prayer. And um, I'm going to try to look beyond myself um, at higher powers to assist me. And it wasn't perfect. It wasn't without a lot of drama, a lot of um, hardship, a lot of sleepless nights. But um, once I was able to do that, things started falling in, in the right direction. Right. And I always say the words from this, the serenity prayer, uh, you know, I'm always looking at serenity, courage, and wisdom, right. What is, you know, how does that apply in my life? Because that was the first prayer that I was able to say. That was the first prayer that I was using the, you know, using God and, and in confidence, knowing that um, I want what these others have and what do they have? They have God in their life. And, and so with looking at that, I'm always, it's, it's courage, right? It's always giving me the courage, um, to change the things I can, right? That's really what I'm, I'm looking. And if I can't, then I just got to let it, let it go. Right. So being held captive with alcoholism and addiction, um, self-righteousness and enormous ego, just all of that, just letting it go, um, allowed me to become the person I, I don't want to say I am, but I am to become right. So, um, that's along the lines there. So hopefully that was, uh, helpful to some that, that here. That's great. Thanks for sharing that, Del. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the uh, for for me, I think first off was the uh, having to realize. You know, you have to realize that you're captive, um, and I think that was the hard part for me, because what I was m more captive uh, captive of is you know just is really the fear of man and the desire to be the desire to be the, you know, the, the perfect husband, the perfect employee, the perfect pastor, the perfect dad, um, in every, you know, all these different areas of my life and to be accepted by all of the people in the different spheres of, of 
you know, that, that I find myself like for me, I think my captivity was more around people's expectations of me than anything else. Um, and so, and I'll elaborate on that a little bit. I was talking with a friend of mine the other day about that because the last few years have been a journey for me more about um, embracing my emotion and embracing the fact that I have feelings and that, that I have to process those feelings. And, um, you know, when I first met, met Todd, you know, him forcing me to deal with these repressed feelings that I'd been stuffing for years um, was really not fun or pretty. Um, led to a lot of anger and led to a lot of feeling overwhelmed. But I, I found myself, you know, I found myself in a place in my life where I had a different version of myself for every different group of people that I was around. Um, and so I had, I had figured out how to sculpt the perfect person at work that everyone at work would, you know, would respect and, you know, follow because I, I was in a leadership position and, you know, um, et cetera, you know, and find palatable and admirable. Well, that, that, that person wasn't really me, but I had found a way to portray that persona. And then at home, you know, I, I have, you know, this different persona that I'm portraying with my wife, with my kids. And then, you know, at work, I have, you know, or at church, I have this different persona. And what, where my captivity was, was that none of them were me. And so I was, I was in this place where I could never ever let my guard down, never relax, never be myself, never be integrated. And so I was a, a captive to these different personas of my own making. And they all relied on me stuffing everything that I felt because it was like this house of cards that if I ever mm -hmm. was really honest with myself about what I was processing, what I was feeling, the stress that I was under, the entire thing would come, could, would come falling down. And learning, <clears throat> and then, you know, of course, you can kind of get yourself into this place where you think that that's going to work for a certain period of time. But then, it, of course, God starts shaking you. Um, and God was shaking me. And it's like, well, well, Lord, Lord, I'm serving you. Why are you shaking me? Like, why are you allowing me to be shaken? And he's, and, you know, at the, at, he didn't say anything, but I know now that he's like, I, the house of cards has to fall if you're ever going to be able to, you know, really be the person that I've that I called you to be and the person I created you to be and embrace that that person is someone that I can love. And I think that's the, that the root of it all, the captivity that I was experiencing that I created my own prison that I was living in was because I just did not believe that, that he could actually really love the person that I, that I was, he could, I could understand him loving the person that I could be, or the person, you know, I could earn the love, I could earn it by serving him and, and being, you know, an admirable husband and this and that, but like that, that he would love me even, even if it all fell down. And so deconstructing that house of cards is basically the journey that I'm on. And to the point where I was, I was talking, like I said, I was talking with a friend of mine that I work with and, and he was like, man, you know, like, and he was, I was being very honest with him about some misgivings and some whatever. And he's like, Oh, are you going to, are you going to quit? And I'm like, no, I'm not, but I'm going to tell you that this is hard. And I'm going to tell you that, you know, and I'm, I said, part of my process, you just got to be, you're long for the ride is like, when I'm feeling hopeless about something, I'm going to tell you that, but it doesn't mean that it's going to break me. Um, and so, you know, coming through that and, and actually feeling that freedom now, to just say, Hey, this is how, this is the, this is how I'm feeling about this. Um, but it doesn't change the fact of who God is, you know, is, is a freedom that I have not had for 
years and years and years. And I didn't even really know that I was a captive to it. So anyway, funny thing about Logan and I's relationship, right? As I was kind of in an existential crisis at the time when we met and I would just come in and say, I'm miserable beyond all belief because X is happening. And it would just like knock over his cards. Every time I said something like that, I was just, Logan was my super close friend that was supporting me through really hard times and walking beside me. And most of the time I was clueless that I was just walking over to his carefully constructed, like, you know, a tinker toy house or a log cabin house and just like kicking it all over. Like Godzilla, <laughs> the Godzilla to my Tokyo. Well, if it, yeah. if it makes you feel any better, uh, Todd, I'm now kicking over somebody else's house of cards with my, with my uh, declaring, oh my gosh. I'm, this is terrible. I, I'm feeling hopeless. You're like, oh gosh. So, you know, pay it forward, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm sure uh, Dell will do the same thing when other people come into his life. He'll just be like, just honest and open and be like, hey. And then like years later, find out like, oh, dude, you like totally wrecked my entire perspective of the world. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I think the other, Todd, just the other quick thing was, um, being captive of seeking the approval of others. And I remember the time I was on a two lane road and I got a ticket and, um, uh, and, but someone was, and I told you that, yeah, but someone was, you know, riding my tail. So I felt I had to go fast. And that was the first time you said, you have to really dig deep and look at your seeking approval. It's going to cause you misery. You're seeking approval. Um, and it's very, very unhealthy. And so it took me about a month that I actually realized that he's right because I was more, I was so worried about the person behind me thinking I'm going slow and I drive like an old man that I was able to risk a ticket. So I'm seeking the approval of a driver behind me that I have no idea. And the next thing you know, I get a traffic ticket for it. Right. And that's where you're like, you gotta, you gotta absolutely quit seeking that approval. And once I, I just want to be genuine and authentic. And I know that not everybody's going to like what I say. Sometimes my filter doesn't, isn't running. And I just say things that are, you know, off the go, and I got to realize that I need to be myself. So that's why Logan, when you were talking about your stuff there, it just really hit me. So I wanted to throw that one back out there again. So cap captivity by seeking approval is absolute misery. That's I would totally get, I would totally get 10 traffic tickets for doing that. Yes. I've, I've, I've driven that way the majority of my life. Like how do I drive to make everybody around me feel yes. like I'm a good driver? You know, like, when you find yourself, it's so funny when you find yourself seeking the approval of people that do not matter who you do not have any idea who they are and will never see them again. That's mm -hmm. when, you know, you have a real problem. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's cool. Good. It's not just me. <laughs> yes. Well, that's great. Uh, I'm glad that my Enneagram style kept me from like doing that. That would have been another layer for me. Uh, I'm, I'm an all the threes out there. I yeah, just don't, I just don't care what people think of me at a fundamental level. Somehow, I don't understand how that works because uh, I would choose individual people to uh, to make sure like I was getting their approval. But in general, I wouldn't care for most people, right? So, 
All right. So now I am going to get into the uh, promises that are on the big book of AA, page 53 and 54, for those who are part of the program. Um, all of these have come true in my life. And um, I know because I've seen them come true in so many other people's lives that, that this is a guarantee. I can, I can stake this into the ground, um, come along with us and answer these questions and build your faith with us and get connected to a church and, and, and grow and, and get connected with others that are walking the same path. And I know this is going to happen. So, um, we talked about God's plans for you, right? Um, this is, a guaranteed part of the plan of the results are going to happen. So here we are for painstaking about this phase of our development. We'll be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. The feeling of uselessness and uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They're being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. And sorry, there are page 83 and 84. I said the wrong ones earlier. So um, I'm really curious to hear Logan's first take on this, having not gone through the steps. How has God fulfilled those promises in your life? Because I know they're being fulfilled in your life because I see it happening, but... I'd love to hear your perspective on that, Logan. Wow. I mean, the, uh, I mean, my, I guess my perspective in, in, um, you know, just growing up, I grew up in a Christian family and my parents did a pretty decent job of, of um, better, probably are, were better parents than I am. Um, even with all of the struggles and even though they both came from pretty jacked up backgrounds, um, but they, they did a good job of, um, of explaining to me and, and sort of putting the, you know, putting the seeds of God's promises in my heart. My mom, especially, um, has always done a really good job of, of encouraging me and, um, and, and basically reading those promises to me or, or, you know, telling me of all the things that God, you know, that God has for me. Um, my, my re responsiveness to that has not always been perfect <laughs> um, because I, I generally, um, you know, Todd talks about being an Enneagram type eight, you know, I'm an Enneagram type three for any of you that have done anything with the Enneagram. And basically the, the thing that a, a, a type three believes is that at the end of the day, that they have to earn everything. They have to earn approval and love and all these different things. Um, and so that has probably been, so I guess my, my, my perspective and my worldview is that God's promises exist and that they're true. 
but then it's really my, whether or not I'm, I, I believe them in my heart versus the mental assent that I have to the, the fact that they're true. You know, somebody much smarter than me once said that the longest journey in the, in, in existence is the journey from your head to your heart between the mental assent to something. And then the, the real heartfelt belief that it's true. Um, and I think I go back and forth on that where I, whereas, so I would, I would never be in a position where I would ever say, I think that God's promises aren't true. Um, but what I struggle with is I struggle with my actions being consistent with them being true. It's like, do I really believe it enough to, that it, that it actually modifies my actions? Um, and so, you know, I, because I have been in countless situations where God has provided for me in my, you know, financial well-being. I've been in constant, uh, I've been in so many different places where, where God gave me the words to say, you know, through the Holy Spirit to, to comfort somebody that was way beyond something that I could, could have said. I've been, I've been in places where I, there was a knowledge given to me of something that I had no earthly way of knowing that gave me the ability to connect with somebody and to say, speak something to somebody to encourage them or to, um, in those places. So, I mean, I firmly in my firmly believe that, that God loves us and that his, one of his most incredible desires is intimacy with us is to be, is to walk alongside with us and to like, like in Genesis, that God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve, like that's what he desires a return to is us living our lives, talking to him and walking with him. Like he's a friend and a father. Um, but I can't say with any, I can't say that, that my actions are always consistent with that, with understanding and really believing the promises of God. But um, I do know that they are true. Like you, I have faith that, that, um, that they will, that it, it is always his purpose to make those things come to pass. I do believe that through our actions or our lack of faith or et cetera, we can impede God's designs. We can sort of slow things down. Sometimes we can obviously run as hard as we can the other way. But as we see in Psalms, even when David, when he says like, I, I flee from you is that God always finds us. So that's, I guess that's my, um, our, our, our compliance with the, or our accepting of God's promises are not always, are, is not always perfect, but, but they are real in, in my mind. That's been my experience too. Even when I'm not faithful, he is faithful. Mm -hmm. How about you, Dell? How have, uh, how has, those things like manifested themselves in your life. I know they have, but yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of the big struggles that I have and, you know, just reading it, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and, and we will know peace. Um, you know, that's a daily occurrence for me. Um, as you know, as you struggle with alcoholism, you, you think you're there, you think you're, the greatest dad and you know you're doing all these things you're coaching your kids are there on time you're doing everything but you're <laughs> you're masking a lot right and when I struggle daily with um the past is you know when I see parents and they're you know out watching their kids uh going down slides when they're um pushing their kids on swings and things and I have to ask myself you know, and really cope with the fact that, 
um, I feel I miss a lot, right? Was I there? Yes, um, physically. But seeing the interaction, seeing those things, um, I just ask myself, hey, what did I miss? Um, and, and things along that nature. So it's, it's a big struggle with me. And, I, and I, I just need to focus on who I am today and who I'm you know, going to be. And I cannot control the past and I need to have serenity around that and, and know that, but I do, you know, my kids laugh too. Cause when you see parents and you know, their kids are just being terrible. The parents are embarrassed because they're acting bad in public and, you know, they're seeking a little bit of approval and parental validation themselves. And, um, I just, you know, find myself walking up to parents and just walking by and say, Hey, just embrace those times. I would do anything to be back there where my kids throwing Cheerios across the table or whatever <laughs> they might be doing. Right. And, and although as a parent, you think it's the end of the world, but you know, just, just be grateful that you're there and just be grateful that you get to experience their, that time. And, you know, sometimes I'll point to my kids and say, well, enjoy the time because they're going to grow up and get really super expensive and things like that. But I just need to focus that I can't control my behavior in the past. I know that I've learned from that and hopefully sharing this will help others learn from it as well. Right. I'm incredibly flawed and I don't expect anyone to say, oh, this is what Dell does. But I just want, you know, people to know that, you know, there's others out there um, that have those things where they didn't live the way they should have in the past and they missed things. Right. Um, I, and I can obscure it or I can mask it behind the fact, Oh, I coached, I did all these things. I was there all the time taking them, but you know, there's a difference of the, there being there in the past and the being there as I am today. And in, and it's quite the contrast. So it's just that one line that I always, you know, refer back to. I just really need to focus on who am I going to be today and what am I going to be in the future? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, like it took me a long time to see these things coming true. Right. Um, but like they came true, right? Like, with both you and Logan, there's times when things have popped up in both of your lives that were like really critical, really hard to deal with. And you guys called me and I'll be like, oh man, that's a really tough spot. I have no clue what to do. And we chat for a little while. And then all of a sudden, God would give me words, right? And both of you have come back to me multiple times and said, oh, that like, changed my life right the, the way you talked right there that like gave me perspective and that intuitively handles situations that used to baffle me it just happens all the time now and it's just you know it still does like they'll happen when i am just able to be at peace during a situation which would be chaos or um i can be loving when i should have been angry or any of those things are just so weird to me right um that's just unbelievable and then um the realization that no matter how far down the scale i've gone my experience can benefit others like that's just so true right i've heard so many stories uh in the rooms of aa over the years right and um 
people will say stuff about where they were at like in their addictions and i'll be like oh i have to pay attention to this person right because if they're kind of if that's where they were at when they're there and that doesn't match the person that's standing right in front of me i have to hear that story right that like they're going to have something powerful to say uh, that's just so remarkable and one of the things i loved so much about recovery in the rooms and how safe they are is is people get to say where they were at and then come back right so like my story for those who need to know it um you know like i started working on my addictive behaviors on uh february 14th 2006 which is also my wife's birthday after she found me looking at porn yet again and i finally figured out that i was an addict to porn right so the, the ladies out there i'm very sorry for you because i'm sure that just pierced your heart that on both valentine's day and your birthday of the same day um when i share that story in a church and my wife is like sitting there supporting me and like talking about like what god has done for me and us I share that start of the story and like every woman's head snaps to the back of my wife's head. Right. Like what, <laughs> how are you guys still together? Like that That's doesn't make any one. sense. <laughs> yeah. What was that? That's a pretty rough one. Yeah. I yeah, gotta admit. yeah. Like guys in there are like, what? And then the women are just like, it, like there's almost always an audible intake of breath, right. That I am still married to this uh, just extraordinary woman but that's where it started at, right? It started at there. And I wish that was the last time I had gotten busted by my wife and relapsing looking at porn, but it's not. I still did it two, like two more times, right? So that's really hard. Super, super, super hard. Um, uh, but God's like taken us through that. And like that, that was something that you know had to be internally fixed within me um to be able to do that and to actually really be able to truly love my wife and then it got me into the rooms of recovery and then i really started hearing people talk about their alcoholism and i'm like oh i'm a dry drunk i am actually an alcoholic i spent years focusing on the porn addiction and then i started hearing the stories about drinking and i had like been tracking not drinking for a long time but i never really identified as an alcoholic until i started hearing my story told back to me over and over and over again like it's not normal to do what i did right and like i always struggled with whether or not i was an alcoholic or not until uh somebody shared the story of having an allergic reaction to alcohol once i have one drink i cannot physically stop myself from drinking anymore uh, and I'm like, oh, that's me, right? And then the thing, like, all of a sudden, God just reflected all these things back to me, right? Uh, about who I really was and, like, what I really wanted and, like, all those things. So, um, yeah, that's I always come back to those, you know, specific things um, because they're extraordinary. The, the worst parts of us are the, one, the parts that God uses to, like, restore ourselves and restore other people it's like just dumbfounding and it's 
simplicity and amazement. So, um, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know how God redeems it all, but he does. I'm just in awe of it all the time. So. Yeah. In my life, I've found that, that the people in my, in, in my life or that I'm associated with probably benefit more from me talking about my failures than they ever did from my, my, my resounding successes. Um, because the truth of our existence is that we fail all the time and that we, we deal with sin and we have to deal with the consequences of it, but to see people come through that and maintain faith and, and maintain, you know, um, you know, a, a good worldview, et cetera, is, is an incredible thing. Um, you know, I have so many, so many people that I know that have gone through tragic circumstances and actually their witness was strongest during the tragic circumstances, because that's when everybody is looking at you. It's kind of like in, in that, this is the, in the, the story that you, that you told everyone's eyes snapped to your wife because they understand the suffering and then the, that she went through in that situation and how emotionally painful it was. And, the 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 fact that she's still standing there is a huge testament to 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 what god has done and so it's like in the revealing of our overcoming with him through horrible circumstances you know then and failures that then lead in them being restored is just you know is is an incredible journey and incredibly impactful for people but if we if we don't if we don't share those things then they never get the benefit of of you know because of our own pride they never get the benefit of, of, of seeing God overcome all through these things. So, yeah. And, you know, my wife and I have gone through a lot of other hard times, like with a lot of other issues that have popped up in our lives that most of them in the intervening years uh, since then um, have not been of my making right uh, where she's gotten to suffering or whatever and i've been able to walk beside her and support her um have even as much as i've done that over the uh, past 14 15 years as my capacity has grown i am not sure if i will ever be able to fully repay her love and support she gave me when i was coming out of um out of my addictive behaviors, right? Because I had been springing away from this really, really deep pain from the things that happened to me as a child and then my intervening things I did to make myself not feel. And I just hadn't processed pain for 15 years or more. Um, actually closer to 20 because uh, the things that had happened to me when I was like 10, 11, 12, I never processed. And I was like 32 when I started this journey, right? Some of the things, it's the thing I think about often, like I know I've loved my wife very well, uh, but I'm not sure I'm ever going to be able to repay the love that she gave me as I was coming out of my own misery. Uh, I'm not sure on that one. It's not a contest. Um, it's not something that you can really measure, uh, but I'm pretty sure if it was that there's no way I could actually do that because of the amount of love that she poured out into me in that really hard time. So, um, and I think about that often when I'm like called to love somebody who's difficult about how my wife loved me when I was really difficult. Right. That's, that's, you know, it. Right. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I think that's consistent with, uh, myself too. Um, it's, 
it's really hard for me to be mad at my wife. I mean, they're with putting the family through what I put them through. She had every right just to leave, just to, you know, split assets and go her own way. And, um, I'm grateful every day that, um, that I was able to, to make those changes and continue to make changes. Right. Because even when the kids get mad and I, I haven't had the conversation with the younger ones, but the older, my oldest is 21. And so we are able to talk about these things that say, Hey, you can be mad at your mom all you want, but we are living a great life right now because she stood by me. And, um, it's, it's hard, you know, it's those things of the past when I seek for that serenity of, how do I just cope with the way I used to be? Um, and it's just, it's just really hard, but I, I know, you know, that just resonates so much with me. I just want to make those points that I'm just so grateful that, um, you know, she was able to stick, stick with me. Yeah. So, well, guys, thank you so much for being open and honest and sharing today. Um, um, as I reflect about kind of what we're doing on the next two episodes after this, it's the it's the last part of kind of I'm not God, right? And it's like I'm not God, and then after that, there is a God who cares for us. And the last portion of that is letting the God who cares for us actually care for us, like going through the act of doing some of the things we've talked about so far. You know, it's as I've been praying about how to communicate these things uh, over this the, the first part of this foundational stuff, it's like so simple, like a little kid can do it, but it's so hard that we like fail at it all the time, right? Of just letting God take care of us uh, like we did when we were little kids, right? And so that is the next part, right? Is uh, that portion of it. So that's what we'll be talking about next week. Um, and for next week's questions, it will be, um, if you are a believer in Jesus, what has he done for you? That'll be like the first question, right? And if you're in the process of figuring God out, um, what are some things that clearly happened in your life where you really saw God taking care of you, even though you, you know, it's like really clear that that was there. So, uh, so that's the first question. And then the second question is, um, I think I, I'm just going to go with the, um, what is keeping you, uh, from actually doing that, that having a higher power take control of your life? Uh, what is, what's the boundary there? What's keeping you from doing that? So those are the uh, two things that I'm thinking of this next week. And we'll be doing the, the last portion of the first part of our journey. Uh, and then the kind of hard stuff begins. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, I really wanted to share the promises and hope today because, you know, in the coming weeks, some really hard work starts to happen in our lives for stuff that we have to do. And I want to encourage you that it's really, really well worth doing. So um, love you all. And um, 
the, would either Dell or Logan want to pray us out? Um, I don't know how you feel about that, Dell. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting to hear from Logan. <laughs> okay, that certainly will. <laughs> Lord, we, we do thank you for this time. Um, we thank you for that you've given us this opportunity to come together. Uh, we pray that uh, things that we discussed and um, would be a, a blessing for those people who are hearing um, and that uh, it would encourage them um, into a deeper level of intimacy with you. Encourage them to come and ask you the hard questions. Lord, you're, you're capable of answering any question that we throw at you. Um, we just, uh, again, thank you so much for the opportunity to um, encourage each other and to, um, to participate in what you're doing. Amen. Amen.